0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere.
1: Today is Tuesday, June 28th, and we're talking Pirates baseball as always with Adam Barry, our Pirates reporter. Adam, we thank you for the time as always, and uh, Adam for a while uh, back on Monday. Seemed like the Pirates were well on their way to a four-game sweep of the Dodgers, which would have been huge. They took a, uh, a 4 nothing lead that day off Scott Casimir, but the offense went silent for the next uh, eight innings, and the Dodgers would chip away and come back to win it 5-4. Uh, and, you know, even though on paper the Pirates won three out of four games in that series, uh, still a very successful four games against a very good club, uh, to be deprived of a sweep in that fashion, that had to be gut-wrenching for this team.
2: Yeah, it's pretty tough. You know, you wouldn't have thought, given the stretch that the Pirates were on coming into uh, this homestand, that uh, you know, taking three or four from a pretty good National League team would have been a disappointment. But just given the way Sunday's game played out, uh, and really it was the exact same as Wednesday's game, which is another game they probably shouldn't have lost on that homestand. Maybe it would have been six and two instead of four and four, uh, which would have put them in a, a much better uh, position heading onto this West Coast road trip. Um, But, yeah, it was just a little bit too familiar, I think, uh, for the Pirates, which is what made it all the more frustrating. They had an early lead. They did a really good job working Scott Kazmir, the opposing pitcher, in the first inning, made him throw 40 pitches, scored four runs off of him, and then they just could not capitalize offensively the rest of the way. They had pretty much nothing going uh, with the bats. And then Francisco Liriano and reliever Jared Hughes, who have been so reliable over the last couple of years for the Pirates, just combined to – to let the Dodgers crawl right back in it, it was pretty much the exact same formula as the game on Wednesday, so it was a little bit of deja vu and not in a good way.
1: Yeah, not at all. As again, the Pirates uh, settled for three out of four wins in that series. And Adam, you brought up Francisco Liriano, and he obviously continues to struggle, unable to uh, protect that four nothing lead on Monday. And uh, over his last eight starts, the numbers are pretty ugly: one and seven, the ERA, six point six one. Now, on the one hand, as you wrote, uh, it's, it's encouraging to to hear and to read that he's working uh, tirelessly and relentlessly between starts, uh, both on the mound and by studying in video, talking to Ray Searage and everything that goes with that. But at the same time, you know, how much more frustrating does this whole thing become to know that he is putting in all this work and he still is not finding answers?
2: Right. And the maybe the concerning part of it is that this is kind of who Francisco Liriano was before the Pirates. Uh, helped, you know, get him back on track in 2013. The numbers and the performance look a whole lot more like the guy who struggled for the Twins and the White Sox in 2011 and 2012. Uh, the walks are a consistent issue. The command, the early strike throwing, uh, and when you're behind in the count, you're just not going to get guys to chase outside the zone at his off-speed pitches, which is how he's made a living the last uh, three seasons before this one. You know, he throws that slider, and hitters look bad swinging at it, but they don't have to do that if they're ahead in the count and they can take it for. Baller, try to challenge him to throw it for a strike. So I think that's sort of at the heart of the issues you're seeing with Liriano. He says it's just sort of mechanics and, you know, his control, just trying to get uh, more early strikes, getting the head of the count because he's a much more effective pitcher that way. This is a guy who's lived outside the strike zone, which is a pretty dangerous way to live for most pitchers, but Liriano made it work because he was so good at throwing strikes when he needed to. Now, unfortunately, when he does need to throw strikes, they've been right in the middle of the zone. They've been, they've been getting hit hard. Uh, it's just not really been an effective combination in any way for Liriano, and they could really use him, especially with Garrett Cole out. This was their opening day starter, a guy who they were really counting on to, to hold up the top of the rotation. They sort of looked for answers in the middle and back end and waited for these top prospects to arrive. So uh, Francisco Liriano, as much as anyone on this team, maybe other than Andrew McCutcheon, is underperformed expectations, and they could certainly use a much better second half from him.
1: Yeah, like you said, this was a guy that was the opening day starter. He was slated uh, all year to be the number two guy behind Garrett Cole, and at least at first, uh, pretty successful uh, April and even May. But June has been a much different story. We gave you the numbers, uh, one and seven. His last eight starts, uh, 6.61 ERA he definitely has to find some answers and find them uh, lickety-split. Uh, Adam, on the other side of the coin, a bright spot for the Bucks in that otherwise disappointing loss, the performance of uh, Juan Nicasio. He's had uh, some issues the last uh, couple of weeks. That's a uh, family matter uh, back overseas, which he tended to uh, returning to the team recently, and he looked very good out of the bullpen on Monday, his first relief appearance uh, after making a dozen starts. Three scoreless innings in that game against the Dodgers. Now, Adam, is the plan for him to, to kind of get back on track with uh, designs on moving him back into that rotation at some point? Or are the Pirates on a course now where they want to say, you know what, this is a guy that, you know, we experimented with him as a starter, had mixed results. He's best suited as a bullpen guy. And no matter how well he does, that's where he's going to stay for the remainder of 2016.
2: Yeah, I think he's a reliever the rest of the way, and quite frankly, I think they signed him in the offseason with the intention of making him a reliever, Uh, but then they were going to do him uh, sort of solid and let him come into spring training and stretch out like a starting pitcher, something that was very important to him. You know, In his mind, he's always been a starting pitcher, even last year when he, he did pitch out of the Dodgers bullpen, and then he just blew them away in spring training, put up these crazy numbers, and essentially left them no choice. They had to put him in the rotation, but... I think if you were to press uh, certain Pirates officials on this and say, you know, would it have been almost uh, beneficial for the team if uh, Nicasio had not had this great spring and they could have put him in the bullpen in this role that he's in right now where he can come in and just you know, blow the doors down on guys for an inning, throw a in 96-97 with that great slider, or, you know, go three innings and turn over a lineup one time, which is something that he does really well given his stuff, like he did in the the, the finale against the Dodgers. I think they probably would have taken that because, you know, he just wasn't a consistent starter. It didn't work out for him there. The numbers the second time through the lineup were really bad. But he's so effective as a reliever just because he's a really strong guy. He's got a rubber arm, throws hard. He can, you know, keep hitters off balance one time through. I think really it makes us look smart because we're the people who predicted that the Pirates are going to have such a great bullpen built in part around uh, the role they had in mind for Nicasio. And it makes them look smart, but I do think there might be just a tinge of regret there in their minds that they didn't open the season with him in that role because who knows how that might have affected not only their early season bullpen troubles but the rotation issues if they had had him to come in and maybe clean up some mess.
1: Yeah, uh, hindsight's always 2020, and like you said, uh, there's got to be a little bit of regret there to know that you know, we could have had this all along except for, you know, instead of just uh, for late June on but uh, it is what it is. Uh, he is in the bullpen right now, and I mean, I'm not saying he's going to go out there and be a be a lights out guy. But uh, as long as he can be effective, I'm thinking that's a pretty nice, uh, you know, eight nine bridge. Juan Nicasio to Mark Melanson, and then whoever precedes Nicasio. Do you see him becoming that that a real lockdown eighth inning guy, or is that still kind of a, kind of a, you know up in the air right now as to what exactly his bullpen role will
2: be? I think they're going to let him be sort of a swingman which like I said is that role that I think we all uh, saw him having really before spring training and even during spring training at times because you can see him fill fill up after a short start you know if somebody is only capable of going 4 or 5 or somebody gets hurt he could pitch 2 or 3 innings at a time or he could come in and throw the 7th I don't think you're going to see him throw the 8th uh, or maybe even sometimes the 7th with the lead just because of what they have going on with uh, Tony Watson and Natalie Feliz, more proven kind of bullpen arms. But, I mean, you can certainly see tie Game uh, just throw out Nicasio in the 7th, 8th, and ninth. You know, he's a guy who's capable of putting up scoreless uh, runs like that. And if you want to save, you know, Mark Melanson for a situation where you have the lead, I think you're capable of doing that. We've seen some improvements in that front end of the Pirates' bullpen that we've talked about being an issue recently. And one of them is Nicasio and the other was uh, A.J. Shugel. and you know, the two of them, Shugo and Nicasio, actually combined to really hold down the Dodgers in one of the games they played over the weekend.
1: And uh, going back to that uh, Dodgers series, let's go back to Sunday night. And, you know, it's not surprising whenever there's a game involving the Dodgers that the winning pitcher is a guy with the initials CK. In this case, though, not Clayton Kershaw. It is the rookie, Chad Cool in his uh, major league debut. And, uh, Adam, one day he's going to be able to tell his grandkids, you know what? My big league debut I beat. Clayton freaking Kershaw. I mean, that how many guys could say that? That's a, a wonderful moment for Cool. You know, the numbers didn't jump off the page. Uh, five innings, three runs. I believe, but but nonetheless, the bottom line, he got the W. Kershaw got the L. And I got to think, just a, a magical moment for uh, Chad Cool and his many uh, friends and family in attendance uh, on a not just any game either, a, a big stage, a national stage on Sunday night baseball.
2: Matt, I'm just really proud of you for not saying it was a cool moment. Thank for you, Chad. Thank you. Uh, no, it was a really fun thing to watch. You know, this guy comes up. He'd been around for a couple of days, had a little more time to prepare and acclimate himself. But, I mean, my goodness, how do you prepare for Clayton Kershaw on the Dodgers on Sunday Night Baseball in your Major League debut? Um, but he really handled himself well. Like you said, the line, the pitching line doesn't really jump off the page at you. But he was solid. He showed some of the things that he's done really well. And, you know, we saw it with Jamison Tyone a few weeks ago there, there are nerves in, the, in your major league debut. And that's something that you can't really plan for. It's something you can't pitch around. Um, but Chad Cool is, you know, a really good pedigree. He's done some great things in the minor leagues, especially this season to start uh, in triple A. I think the pirates have plenty of reason to believe in this young man. And I think it's a pretty good sign that he's going to stick around the rotation, at least for a little while. Uh, I think it was a pretty good sign when he got on the pirates plane to Seattle. Uh, and I believe he's currently scheduled to pitch uh, this weekend in Oakland. So Another chance to see him, you know, not being at home, not being on Sunday Night Baseball, and you know, it not being his major league debut. But it's got to be a pretty good moment organizationally when they when they're able to call up these guys like Tyone and Cool. And I, I think you saw another one on Sunday Night.
1: Yeah, no question. And I think in a lot of cases like this, you learn more from a guy's second start than his first, because as you, as you said, there's so much hype, so much excitement surrounding that first start, and especially in Cool's case, being on ESPN. Sunday Night Baseball. Now it's a quote-unquote more ordinary game, 3,000 miles away from home. Uh, We'll see what he does. We'll learn a lot about Chad Cool and starts number two of his big league career. Adam, to begin to wrap up here, obviously this is a team in desperate need of some good news on the injury front, in particular with regards to that starting rotation. So please provide us some with regards to Garrett Cole and uh, Ryan Vogelsong as well.
2: Uh, Garrett Cole threw off a mound for the first time uh, over the weekend since uh, going down on the disabled list with a right tricep strain. That's obviously good news. The sort of uh, cautionary part of that is that Ray Searich, the pitching coach, said he's got to throw a couple more during this nine-game road trip, which makes you think that he probably is you know, basically ruled out uh, to come back and join the Pirates uh, first half of the season before the All-Star break. I think it's a little more likely you see him maybe shortly after the break, if not a little bit later in July, depending on how much time he needs to build his arm back up and uh, maybe make a rehab start or two in the minors. Uh, Ryan Vogelsong is coming along really well. I don't know if he'll be in the rotation when he comes off the disabled list, but I talked to him the other day in the clubhouse to you know, talk about some of the new training techniques he's been doing with uh, head athletic trainer Todd Tomzik. He's really fired up. He's really determined and confident that he'll come uh, back and join the Pirates uh, the first day that he's eligible to come off the 60-day disabled list, which I think is July 23rd. And, you know, an effective Ryan Vogelsong could go a long way for either the bullpen or maybe a spot start, maybe a back end of the rotation guy, depending on where they're at at that point of the year. Uh, But more than anything, it's just good to see Vogelsong doing well after what I think we'd all agree is a pretty scary injury. Uh, The fact that he's recovered so well physically, mentally, and now he has a chance to get back out there professionally as well. It's just all good signs for Ryan Vogelson.
1: No question about that. That's a good place to wrap this one up on this Tuesday, June 28th. Always a pleasure, Adam Barry. We'll do it again at this time next week. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras Pittsburgh Pirates.